Luke 11. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me, the door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of our Lord. Be seated. You notice that there is not a title to this sermon today. Well, I've been on vacation for the last week and a half, and I was sitting on the deck overlooking beautiful Beaver Dam Lake in Cumberland, Wisconsin, near um, where our family cabin is located. I was working on it, and I got a text message from Angela, and she said, do you have a sermon title? And I said, give me a few minutes. I kept working, nothing, nothing. And then she finally said, one last chance, and I said, sorry, I don't have a title. And then about 20 minutes later, I sent her the title, Held in Relationship, but it was too late. So for those of you who've been waiting to find out what this sermon is about, you, can now, you now know Held in Relationship. Dear friends, grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. My wife, Nancy's aunt, known even by members of the family as Sister Janice, is a nun with the school sisters of Notre Dame out of Mankato. They were some of the first uh, nuns, Catholic order, to get involved in the civil rights movement. They are a wonderful group of women. She spent most of her career working among the poor in Appalachia. And she recently celebrated the 75th anniversary of her consecration as a nun. A few years ago, Nancy and our youngest son, Marcus, were at a family reunion. Nancy wanted to introduce Marcus to Sister Janice. 
When Sister Janice saw them coming up to her, she said, this must be Marcus. And Marcus asked how she knew who he was. Nancy has 35 first cousins on that side of the family. And there's well over 100 people, including spouses, on that side of the family as well. So Marcus was curious how she could possibly know who he was. And she said to him, I know who you are because I pray for you every day. Of course, it wasn't just Marcus who she held in prayer, but every member of this large family and then many more people and concerns on her long, long list. In her own way, her prayers were a way of imitating what she already knew that God was doing with her beloved, holding them in an abiding relationship. By holding others in relationship through prayer, her life became more meaningful and more aligned with the heart of God. I don't know about you, but when I hear that someone is praying for me every day, it takes me aback. It's humbling. It makes me realize that I am part of something expansive, that I am held. I don't believe that that person's prayer is enough to keep me safe, if only. But I surely trust that I am held in a relationship that is profound and reliable, that I am held in the expansive life of God. If we were to review the prayer life of Jesus in Luke's gospel, we would see that it is first and last an exercise in acknowledging being held in the relationship with the one that he knows as Father, the one who claimed him as his beloved son in his baptism. Jesus' prayer life is about nurturing and being nurtured in that relationship. The disciples observed Jesus praying on three different occasions before this time they asked them, they asked him to teach them how to pray. What Jesus gives to them is a list of the essential elements of prayer. And of course, this has become one of the chief symbols of the Christian faith, what we know as the Lord's Prayer. It's the first thing we teach children. It's the prayer that we go to most often. And if it ever gets stale, it's only because we know it so well. And we can say the words even if we're thinking about our grocery list or what's going to happen on the next episode of the Game of Thrones. The first petition of the Lord's Prayer is, Your kingdom come. And all that comes after it flows out of this. When God's will is done, it is a sign that God's kingdom has come. When all receive adequate food and shelter, daily bread, it is a sign that God's kingdom has come. 
When we are able to offer and receive forgiveness, notice it doesn't say when we are able to sin no more, but when we are able to freely offer and receive forgiveness as an essential aspect of our humanity, it is a sign that God's kingdom has come. When we are able to resist trial and temptation, it is a sign that God's kingdom have come. When we are delivered from evil, from our own worst selves, and from evil outside of us, it is a sign that God's kingdom has come. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we are praying that all these things may come to pass. A couple of other things about the Lord's Prayer that are important. First, do you notice that it is not my Father, it is our Father. If this is the basis of all prayer, then all prayer is by nature inclusive. Prayer can be very personal, even private, but it is always, always a group activity. Even when we are praying alone, we are together. We are held in relationship with God and with each other. A second thing about the Lord's Prayer is that it reminds us that prayer is not ultimately about getting what we want or even what we need. If God's faithfulness were dependent on the effectiveness of our prayer, we would always be disappointed. There's a trap embedded in this prayer as well, at least the version from Matthew's Gospel. Your will be done. Of course, we wish for God's will to be done, But we must never, on the flip side, use this as a way of explaining tragedy that it must have been God's will. God's will is that all of life would flourish, not that some would suffer and that some would thrive. So if there is one thing, and there's never one thing, but for today, if there is one thing at the root of the Lord's Prayer and all prayer, for that matter, It is that we are held in relationship. We don't create the relationship, but our prayer acknowledges that it is given to us and sustained for us. That our daily bread and the possibility of offering and receiving forgiveness comes from the one who holds us. Who holds us first in baptism, but continues to hold us our whole life long. When we pray for one who is ill, we claim that she or he is held no matter the outcome. We pray that those attending to her are faithful. And in our prayer, we acknowledge that we are connected, that we are not alone, not ever alone, and that this is a sign of the kingdom. When we pray for those who suffer grief, we pray that they are held in the midst of their pain, that they will find a way to experience joy even in the midst of loss. Hope is embedded in prayer. We are held in the present and in the future. We know from our own experience that the kingdom, while its promise is fulfilled in Jesus, is also still yet to come. 
There are many cries for healing, for justice, for an end to violence. Frederick Douglass, the great abolitionist, wrote, I prayed for 20 years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. We know that prayer cannot be separated from the full investment of ourselves in the life of God and God's creation. We can be persistent in prayer and still find the strength to act. Perhaps prayer being held in relationship is the very thing that gives us the strength to act. I was trying to recall how I began to understand prayer as being held in relationship. Every night as a child, and we did this with our kids as well, we would pray the Lord's Prayer and sing this song. Jesus, tender shepherd, hear us. Bless your little lambs tonight. Through the darkness, be thou near us. Keep us safe till morning light. And then we would pray the names of all those people who we would ask God to hold. That was formative for me. I didn't learn it. It was given to me. Prayer is not ever a transaction. Prayer is about being held in an eternal relationship that accompanies us through the full measure of our lives. Amen.